0: Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect, hit record, pour their discussions into a beaker, mix thoroughly, and voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate, and even irreverent, that count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky.
1: Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we try and find interesting people and interesting places to talk to you about the world of HR data, analytics, and technology. Today, we're talking to our friend, Gary Straker from Salary.com. Hey, Gary. Good morning,
2: David. Glad to be
1: here. And, and we're here at the World at Work conference, the 22 World at Work conference. And so Gary and I were just having an interesting conversation about pay equity and the data that underlies pay equity. So Gary, one of the pitfalls that we were talking about is actually starting with a good set of data and some of the pitfalls in where we're going to source that data. So from your perspective, what are some of the biggest issues that you find in being able to get good data to underlies pay equity analyses?
2: Yeah, I think that that's really a fundamental challenge for all organizations. And so one of the things that we see is that the data is typically incomplete. And so there are, there are key data components that you would love to have in a perfect world. So for instance, educational qualifications of your employees, prior experience of your employees, and... Most organizations, virtually all, don't have that information when they're in their human capital systems. And so I think as we look at pay equity, you know, there's so much time and energy being focused on doing that analysis. The analysis that we're doing today is based on the data we have today. Right. But we need to get better. We need to, we need to improve, I think, the quality and completeness of the data we use for pay equity analyses.
1: And I think that that's going to take time. So we were talking, one of the sources we could possibly get that data from is the recruiting systems. But as we know, recruiting systems get their data from either applications or they get them from resumes. They may even get them from LinkedIn. To you, what are the pitfalls of being able to leverage those kind of sources to be able to get at that that kind of data you're talking about?
2: You know, accuracy is always going to be a challenge, uh, particularly if you're sourcing it from places like LinkedIn. And even, even resumes, right? I mean, resumes don't always reflect, you know, uh, I'm not going to say the, the truth, but, you know, sometimes there, there's, there's data elements missing in the resume.
1: Let's call it unaudited.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you only put in the resume what you think is going to be important for a particular opportunity. Right. And so it may, it may miss uh, critical pieces of information.
1: So is there a good practice or is there a best practice when it comes to being able to get access to that data?
2: You know, I think it's evolving. And I think organizations are going to have to develop processes and, and, you know, systems to be able to compile a more complete data set. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. But I think there needs to be a concerted effort and a commitment on behalf of organizations. If they're going to continue to do pay equity analyses credibly, they're going to have to make a commitment
1: to obtaining that data over time. So if someone's thinking about doing a pay equity analysis, is there something they should be preparing for in order to be able to get that data ready?
2: Well, I mean, the obvious uh, starting point is is looking at the data you have and, and the completeness of the data you have. And, and often we see gaps um, in the data that organizations have in their systems. And it may be because... You know, they haven't le- fully leveraged technology over time, and maybe they're starting to, you know, utilize it more, optimize it more. And so when uh, what they're seeing is that there are holes. And they, you know, to the extent that you can go back and fill those holes, I think that's a good starting point.
1: But they shouldn't prevent, that shouldn't prevent them from moving forward and doing the pay equity analysis, right?
2: No. I mean, you have to start somewhere. And so, you know, not doing it on the basis of, you know, we don't have all the data that we'd like to have... You know, it's probably not a good approach. You have to start somewhere. And I think there's incremental steps that organizations will have to take in order to get to that point where they have a more complete data set and uh, feel confident about
1: the analyses they're doing. And I love the term incremental because you can't, you know, we always hear the term Rome wasn't built in a day mm-hmm. and being able to make progress on the pay equity analysis and being able to move forward is a good start, right? So If you, if you worry about all the things that might go wrong from the data perspective and not having enough, you're never going to get started because there is no such thing as perfect data set. That's right. right.
2: There, There isn't. And even the data you have can be looked at, interpreted in different ways. There was a very recent announcement about right. an organization we're all familiar with who, you know, were investigated by the OFCCP. The OFCCP found that there were statistically significant pay disparities in the data that they were using. The organization, on the other hand, said the complete opposite. They said that they had done the analysis and they found no statistical significant pay right. disparities. And right. so... You know, these models are run different ways. Perhaps they're, the you know the data is looked at differently. Right. And, and I think for organizations, they need to be prepared to sort of run multiple data sets, multiple uh, models in terms of their multiple uh,
1: multivariate regression analysis to, you know, really look at it from all angles. We've called this, and I've said this a, th- a lot, the Rubik's Cube, right? You have to keep twisting the analysis. You have to keep looking at it from a different perspective, right? Yep. You need to wallow in the
2: data. That's the term I use. And and you have to, you know, it, 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 you've got to leverage technology to be able
1: to do that efficiently. And sometimes that technology is Excel. <laughs>
2: good luck with that. And
1: Excel's not perfect, but it's a good start, right? It is.
2: It is a good start. and But at some point it just becomes untenable, unmanageable because of you know, we all know that the you know the analysis is the only good as the data that's in there right right you know I think leveraging other technology solutions that can capture that data, maybe drawing it in from HCM systems right. real time, preferably or as close to real time as right. you can would be very helpful.
0: Like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by salary.com. Now back to the show.
1: So, Gary, one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is that we heard, I think it was last week, that California is potentially going to put out a bill that would it would mandate that companies tell employees what they are doing with their data, meaning how they're storing it, where they're storing it, in what systems, what they're using it for, what analyses they're using it for. Mm-hmm. To me, this is kind of scary from the compensation perspective, but it also scares me from the people analytics perspective. What's your perspective on laws on these types of privacy laws?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it could be a real challenge for employers to, if these new laws are introduced, to adhere to them and still be able to conduct business in the way that they need to, right. uh, in order to make sure people are, for instance, being you know paid appropriately, right. to make sure their benefit programs are being right. administered effectively and efficiently in order to, to control costs. Of course, that's a you know a big part of any plan sponsor who has a health insurance plan Absolutely. in terms of their need. And right. so, you know, I, I think it is a concern. We'll we'll see where it goes, but certainly. Organizations are, not, are just under a lot more scrutiny. Uh, there's a lot more focus and attention, certainly around you know, human capital right. risk and exposures. And we're, this is probably not the end of it. I think we're going to continue to see these types of, you know, legislative changes being put into place to protect
1: information. The thing that scares me about it is the potential for opt-out, where a current employee could potentially opt out of HR basically hr processes i'm not really sure how we would deal with that because then how would you be able to even pay them i mean i mean you know thinking about things like you know we talk a lot about pay equity Mm analysis we talk about just doing market pricing for jobs how do we how do we run our business without having that employee's record yeah I, i i i I find it hard to imagine how an employer
2: could allow an employee to opt out of certain aspects of their, you know, information, whether or not it's demographic, pay, any other information that they keep on file, without
1: right. w- without being disruptive to, you know, business operations. I think you were mentioning one example yesterday when we were talking about this offline, which was a self-insured company. Yeah. How can they manage their business? How can they manage their benefits if that happens?
2: Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of employees in this country get their health insurance through employer-sponsors' self-funded plans. And in self-funded plan sponsors, they spend an awful lot of time scrutinizing utilization data you know, and claims history and information. Obviously, they need to do that to manage the risk and budget appropriately, but- You know, controlling costs in the healthcare sector is is a challenge that, you know, organizations are faced with. In order to do that, they have to have
1: data, claims data
2: of their employees and participants in the plan.
1: Now, while I can understand and appreciate the government or the state government wanting to protect an employee's rights, especially rights of privacy, got it, Mm -hmm. understand, especially in an era where we hear a lot of data is being stolen and, you know, there are... There are obviously legitimate reasons why you'd need to inform employees of those kinds of issues, but I'm j- I'm just trying to think if you know we a lot of times a lot of companies because they operate overseas they are already trying to operate under GDPR. Yeah. So, you know, is there an alternative to this for U.S. companies?
2: You know, I I think U.S. companies and I think employers generally um, are probably going to have to start helping employees understand how they're using their data. And so if employees have some, an expectation that their employer is going to, for instance, control healthcare costs in order to make it more affordable to their employees, right. they're going to have to understand that we're going to have to look at data. Right. Same with the pay practices and policies. I mean, if an organization is committed to pay equity and employees are demanding it, right. well, guess what? We're going to have to look at pay. We're going to have right. to start scrutinizing demographic data and understand it. And so, but I, I think, you know, employers are probably going to have to be maybe a little bit more proactive in terms of, hey, listen, we're going to use data about you in order to manage our business our human right. ca- and manage our human capital risk. And, and, and I think employees who are not comfortable with that, well, they have a choice to make.
1: Absolutely. Well, we talked a little bit before about pay transparency. So in this case, I think what we're talking about is process transparency as well.
2: Yeah. And I, I think most employees, yeah, you know, many of them probably don't really care. It doesn't mind. I mean, I happen to be one of those employees who doesn't think twice or worry about, right. you, you know, inf- my information out on the internet or right. whatever I do. My wife, on the other hand, is just completely paranoid about it. <laughs> and <laughs> she never puts any personal information on anything, any purchases or anything. So, right. but I think, you know, employees, I think are going to have to, you know, get, get sort of used to it. Some are going to have to decide whether or not. That's a trade-off they're willing to live with in order to work for a particular organization.
1: Well, we've seen Apple get much tougher on how data is shared through their apps. We've seen Apple, even the advertisements that have just aired recently, which talk about them clamping down on how organizations can collect data about their users, especially when it comes to email and other things. So in the consumer world, people are getting access to more secure mm-hmm. uh, or more secure ways of being able to deal with their data through, like, for example, their phone and their provider. Yeah. And so I think what they're like, they always do, they're going to come to expect from their employer kind of what they're expecting in the consumer side too.
2: Yeah. And I'm not quite sure it's going to ever reach that level on the employer side. As I said, it's just, it could be disruptive to, you know, business operations and practice, especially in the whole human
1: capital area. Absolutely. So, Gary, thank you very much. That was insightful. And I'm sure we're going to be talking more about this.
0: Great. Thank you, David. Enjoyed that.
1: All right. Cool. Take care. Thank you. And everybody, stay safe.
0: That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week. And stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.